We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Big Daddy Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, we are wrapping up our series on Penn State through the decades. We hit finally hit the 2020s, but it was only two years. But what a two years it was. So much going on. The pandemic year, two 500 seasons, uh, a 5-0 and top five team ends up barely over 500. Uh, a new contract for James Franklin. The question becomes... What does all that mean for this team going forward? And, you know, it's like handling uh, the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness. How are you recruiting in all this? Let's start, though, first with the transfer portal. One of the things I've got to say that Penn State, I feel, has kind of an old-fashioned culture to it, which can be good, could be bad. And I think James Franklin carries that on. So as these things come up, I'm not sure that Penn State is always on the leading edge. So we'll get to name, image, and likeness, but you can start with the transfer portal, and you see some teams just dove into the transfer portal pool. Penn State's been pretty reserved with it. Now, I, I, again, I could paint a picture that those are that's positive. I could paint it as negative. What is your take on how the portal has treated Penn state at least thus far. I mean, I think they're, I think I, I wouldn't look at it as, as a negative, you know, I don't, I don't think they've been big time players in the portal. They've lost more than they've gained in the portal. Uh, I think that that much is pretty clear, but I think James Franklin is living by the philosophy that he stated that they're going to build through recruiting high school players. You know, their program is going to be built on, uh, evaluating, recruiting, and developing their talent from the ground up. And they're going to be able to pick and choose the spots where they're able to maybe get a veteran or two in there, um, guys that they had some relationships with before, and guys like Arnold Ebikati, who um, who did great big things for them. Derek Tangelo played a huge role for them. Jordan Stout played a huge role for them. You know, you're going to lose talent at Penn State, just like you're going to lose talent almost anywhere else where the writing is on the wall or where uh, for playing time, or if a four star or five star underachieves a little bit or slow out of the gates and, and they find themselves down the depth chart a little bit, they don't, they don't um, get along with the head coach because of stuff like this. I mean, you're going to have good players leave. And I think um, Penn State, just isn't really committed to going crazy in the transfer portal. They're going to try to be as diligent as possible when it comes to evaluating the types of players that they're bringing in. I don't think you really argue with the results so far about the types of players that they've brought in. Um, and I, I don't really know. I mean, how do you manage it differently? Uh, you know, a lot of players who left are quarterbacks. Uh, Noah Kane left. He's going back home to Louisiana with his family, with Brian Kelly down there uh, to give that another go. Lance Dixon, 
Um, you know, was a little bit of a surprise, but like, I, I, I don't think that his role was ready to explode the way that he hoped. So he moves on John Dunmore. You got a Florida kid who, uh, who made the trip North. And, you know, when you're battling through it and you're trying to develop as a person, as a student, as a player, if things are working against you, you get homesick, you know, there's a lot of different things that can happen. So, um, I just think Penn State has lived by the philosophy that James Franklin has stated, which is they're going to build around uh, four-year kids. They're going to build around high school players, and they're going to supplement wherever they can, but only after they do all their due diligence. They're not going to be the team that ha- is a revolving door, bringing in 12 guys every every cycle. They're going to bring in a handful, and they're going to be able to address key spots, and that's a good thing, but they're still going to be very much high school player-oriented with how they're built. And there's probably nothing wrong with that philosophy. And if you look at, I'm not sure there's many, if any, players that went out the door that you say, oh, boy, that's the one we lost. The only one, and it's an argument that you could make, and I still don't think we know yet, was losing Will Levis, a difference maker. And I know because I, the questions we get with Ask T. Frank and Ask Ross those early mock drafts for next season where they have Will Levis as a top 10 pick in the NFL. I'll wait till I see that. You know, I'm not convinced that Will Levis is that guy yet. Well, I mean, he still has to answer a big question about his instincts for the position, his ability to use and harness all that physical talent. He had a nice year for Kentucky, uh, but I still think there's some erratic, uh, things going on with his big right arm without a doubt he's got arm talent he's got arm power he's got speed he's got athleticism he's got a lot of the stuff that you want and he's got a pretty nice track record under him this past season pretty nice year but he does have to build on that and I think the first round dra- grade that he's getting is contingent upon him showing more consistency with his right arm for example but without a doubt to see his name listed in mock drafts, you know, with with the way that things have gone the past two years with with Sean Clifford, it, it's a burning thing for Penn State fans. It's hard, it's hard to see that and see, you know, your your not that Penn State was dismissive of Will Levis, but they never really acknowledged him as a real player at the quarterback position, right? They never really viewed him as a guy who can come in and do it all. He was a gadget, and they never let him graduate from that gadget phase. Then let's take a look at this. The one way that James Franklin and Sean Clifford can make Penn State fans forget about Will Levis is by having a winning, by winning I don't mean seven and six, but double-digit win kind of season this year. That's how you make people forget that. So now there are some positives. Recruiting has been phenomenal with this 22 class the class that's coming in so far the class of 23 looks really good so it does appear at least on the recruiting front that James Franklin is bouncing back but is that ready to translate on the field in 22 you're saying there's you know a little bit bubbling up of the James Franklin critics boy a third underachieving season in a row that uh, whispering is going to become a roar, uh, Dustin. And you might want to save your voices if that does play out because of what we talked about earlier with his contract. It's going to take a heck of a lot more than that for Penn State to move on from it. Like Realistically, 
James Franklin is probably going to have to have three more of those types of seasons for Penn State to really consider. That's that's my viewpoint on it. But I think, you know, Penn State just to reestablish itself as, as as a real player, I think a 9-1 season is, is like borderline mandatory this year. And you, know, you look at the schedule, and there just aren't a lot of games that you can just pencil Penn State in for a W. You know, the, looking at the non-conference schedule, looking at the start of the year going to Purdue on a weird Thursday night game where they, they've got an established quarterback coming back and they've got a good offensive mind in Jeff Brom there. Going to Auburn, um, which, you know, you've made our pitch for collegiate, collegiate, collegiate athletic travel. Um, you know, September 17th, that's tough. Central Michigan's not really like a full-on pushover. You got Northwestern at home, but then you got at Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, at Indiana, Maryland at home. I mean, you have to be on your game to win these things. And, you know, I, I like Penn State's 2022 roster. I don't know for a fact that Mike Yurcich is going to be a uh, much more effective coordinator year two than year one. I think that's probably how it goes. It looks like Manny Diaz is going to doing a good job with defense, but this will be your first time really having to reevaluate a new leader of that position group too. I mean, there are a lot of variables, not the least of which being Sean Clifford. Is he the guy or is he not the guy? You know, year four is the start of that should be pretty much enough to, to tell you all you need to know. So um, I like the playmakers. The offensive line is a big question. The interior of that defensive line is a question. You lose two linebackers. I mean, this is a team in 2022 that has a lot to sort out. It's not without questions. It's got more questions than I think the average Penn State team. And I think um, not for nothing, James Franklin and his, his uh, handling of the offensive coordinator job probably has cost Penn State more games than uh, anything else since the sanctions or since uh, scholarships have been restored. Well, then, Dustin, you asked a lot of the questions. I want some answers here, okay? People don't yeah. come here for questions. They come here for answers. So, ironically, you said you think this team needs to win nine games to feel like, okay, they're back on the right track ironically, or perhaps not, perhaps it's because you know this, so far Vegas has set the over-under on number of wins for this team at eight and a half. So Vegas is saying the same thing. They need to win nine games to feel like they performed well. Will they? Uh, I would I would bet under that one if we're being honest about it. I mean, four, losing four games doesn't feel like all that much when you've got road games at Purdue Auburn, Michigan, uh, Indiana. You've got uh, home games against Ohio State, Minnesota, which has kind of sort of had your number a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I would I would bet against uh, going over eight and a half. You know, four, losing four games with this schedule with this team seems pretty realistic to me. Uh, I, if I had to predict a record, I'd say probably um, eight and four. Um, I would go. I would go under that. For them to win nine games would take a, a better effort than I'm expecting from them. Um, but you know, it's going to take a lot of this goes out the window if Sean Clifford looks like the guy that he's looked like for parts of the last three seasons. If he looks like that for 12 games, we could be having a different conversation. If you have Sean Clifford being the 2019 Sean Clifford. If you have them that 5-0, and Sean Clifford, that start to 2021. But how much of that is really Sean Clifford and how much of that is the offensive line in front of, them, in front of him? 
if they're not getting him killed, if they're opening up some holes for running get back so that there actually is a real running game, does Sean Clifford all of a sudden become the quarterback necessary to win double-digit games? This is a great way to close out this segment because I think it's become clear Sean Clifford is not the guy to elevate the offensive line. Sean Clifford's not the guy to elevate the running game. Sean Clifford's going to need those things to complement what he does. And when everything's working in continuity and in rhythm, he can be the guy who makes enough plays to win games. Uh, so I think he needs those thing to, things to develop. I think the running game will be better because they're working on it. The O-line can't be worse. And I think their playmaking at the running back position can only get better with guys like Nick Singleton involved now. So I think those factors will work in his favor. Maybe he has the best year of his life. Maybe not. So what you're saying is if the offensive line is up to par, running backs improve, Sean Clifford will be the next Joe Burrow. Absolutely, Jim. Not really. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. How's that? On that note, (laughs) I love it. On that note, Dustin, that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening, and be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.